I have a priority package from the NatSat printing room. Well, why don't you say it a little louder? We could open the window. You could shout it towards Moscow. Sorry, I... It's not your fault. You're stupid. <laughs> special assignment for you two. This is my sister. You can all have her. Just a coffee? That's a good idea. You don't tell us why you're here. I cut off a finger. Mine or yours? Yours. Damn! Now! Hayo Silver! Away! Chevy Chase. Get us the hell out of here! Dan Aykroyd. To think my high school guidance counselor said I'd never amount to anything. Spies like us. We're Americans! I got everybody to bed because little dude decided to fuck around and he found out. <laughs> uh, so at least right now he doesn't get to watch a movie after he does his bedtime shit. So, uh, yeah. It's it's hard being the parent, right? You just want to let it slide. Like, you got you to gotta respect the rebellion a little bit. Like, there's got to be a part of you. That, that still keeps the mohawk that's like that's right son but then there's another part of the that you that's like fucking kid just do what i fucking say <laughs> yeah it, it, <laughs> and there's a lot of slack there's a lot of slack this was he wouldn't get ready for school and it was uh, it ended up being working its way to if you miss the bus and we have to take you to school this is gonna happen. God, my my dad voice is coming out. Um, I heard it. Yeah, I was like paying <laughs> attention. I was like, "Oh shit, what did I do wrong, Darren?" Now listen to me. I, you know I respect your stubbornness, but if you dig in, this is what's gonna happen. And you know, it became it, it started with if we're late, or you know we have to chase at the bus or whatever. You know, it was like, okay, you're gonna you won't be able to play video games after school. Okay, fuck you. I'm not getting out of bed. And yeah, it it worked its way to no movies after bedtime. Did you did you just keep adding stuff where it's like this is your punishment? Like this you just kept adding stuff. This will happen and then this and then this. So like is it video games or is it the no movies before bed like kind of the biggest punishment for him, like the thing that will affect him the most? 
Like, that's, does he still get the video games or does is that gone now too? We kept that. Okay, so each it, the punishment became more severe from no video games after school today to okay, no video games for two days. And then, you know, we it just kept building up like that. So when he decided to make the no movies after bedtime tasks are achieved, you know, brushing teeth, doing his reading, all that shit. So right now he doesn't, if we end up watching a movie or some shit and he's awake, maybe he can watch it, but he doesn't get to watch a movie. He does get to do those other things, but those are saved to take away for other little acts of fuckery. Okay. Okay. So it is that much more severe of a punishment is what, that's what I was kind of wondering. Cause I know for, for me, taking away my movies is much worse than threatening me with taking away my video games. He can watch a movie after school if he doesn't have shit to do, but at seven o'clock it's uh time to transition into, he's got to read something every night. doesn't have to be something huge, but something, and, uh, we, we've been, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> we're just guessing <laughs> our way. <laughs> you know, I, I have to be honest with like, okay, how are we going to do this parenting thing? Hmm. Well, we'll figure it out. We have to figure out some sort of system for things because, you know, I mean, I think my parents were pretty cool, but Amanda has some things that she doesn't want to recreate from her childhood. So... Uh, main reason I never had kids and I kept trying to put it off when my wife was asking if we were going to. <laughs> yeah, I, I can totally see that. And, and it ended up being, uh, you know, she, when we started dating, not really early on, but, you know, when you get to that conversation, she was like, no, I don't really want to have kids. Is that going to be an issue? I was like, no, I mean, I like kids. But there's lots of kids around. There's kids in my family and my friends have kids, you know, like whatever. It's, like, it's not a deal breaker. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm totally into. And then after a while, she's like, you know what? I want to have kids. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want to have kids. And then <laughs> you guys flip flopped. Yeah. F- for a bit, for a bit. And then she's like, OK, well, then let's get a dog. I was like, OK, we, we got some dogs. And I was like, you know what? I, I want to have kids. I was like, how about kid? Let's let's start with kid. <laughs> and he's a cool little with dude. The singular. He could be a fucker sometimes, but you know, yeah. So that's <laughs> we we did kid, and then uh, I think two years later, it's like okay, so we're we having another one, or are you getting a vasectomy or buying condoms? <laughs> dude, your wife is fucking awesome. She right? is. You know, she knows. She has to know that, but like, does she know that like? Other people think that too. Like she has to know like that other people think she's awesome. Right. Like she has to be aware of that. I think so. that's fucking badass. The way, I mean, cause I can totally see her phrasing it that way too. So are we going to have another kid or are you going to take care of the issue? Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's kind of like how it almost should be. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's on you. Cause I mean, my body's going to do what it wants to do. And you're the one that's always going to be capable of producing a child regardless. So it's on you. And that's, that's perfect. Yeah. I was totally down with it. It was a freaky, freaky time, but you know what? You can hear all about that in the psychosemantic punk rock vasectomy hour. I think that I put out 
when I could finally sit down in a less soft chair for the first time. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I think it was all the guys from um, Minor Threat with ice bags on their crotches. <laughs> I actually, I remember that. And I remember recording with you when you had to change the gauze yes. for a VD clinic episode. Oh, right. I almost forgot about that. So, yeah, that's that's shit over here. <laughs> as much of that as you're willing to share on the air as you can. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would share any of my personal shit I shared. And I'll, I'll clip out the stuff that you said I could leave out because that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And all, none of the stuff that I said is, I mean, that's all about my problem that I have where I'm like, you move shit. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Let's just get started. And <laughs> this is how it'll be. Because I'll be. Loving you, <laughs> kissing you. Oh man, I'm... soul finger. <laughs> I probably saw this movie not too long after it came out. Uh, oh, anyway, I guess we said I should get going, huh? Um, yeah, I was. I was just waiting for you to do your intro. This is your show, man. I'm just following your lead. Damn it! So I'm gonna have to run this shit. This is, yeah, this this is your barter town, my friend. My I'm just visiting. Town. Well, it's not barter town because that's what Court Psyops, the returning guest, after a six month absence. Yeah, uh, what's up with that? You you had some really amazing guests and you didn't need me. I'm just your fill in man when no one else will show up and you want to put out an episode. Do you really want to know? <laughs> were you were you mad at me? No. Oh yeah. Yes. No. I'm mad at Matt though. Oh, really? yeah. Well, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for boycotting me because of Matt, honestly. If my unread message was a fetus, it would be almost a month old now. <laughs> it would have been carried to term and almost be a month old now. Yeah, in, in, <sighs> in January, it'll be a year old and I'll just delete him from Facebook. Yeah, he's I think he's done with the whole social media thing and guesting and, and all of that. Like, he's pretty firm about that. I mean, he jokes about it and everything. But like, I think he's sneaky taking a mental health break from dealing with that kind of stuff because he never really he was always too nervous about it. And I just feel like he just doesn't want to do it anyway. So that's like he's like, you know what? I'll do our show. And that's enough. And, you know, I made him do the reviews because I got tired of doing the reviews all the time, you know, and it was wearing me out and it made me want to quit. So. If being incommunicado and a dick to everybody but me makes him keep doing my show, then I guess I'll just deal with the consequences. There you go. And I mean, you don't really have any consequences. I will just stop making less photoshops of him or at least less <laughs> flattering photoshops of him. Oh, he probably and, isn't even seeing him anymore anyway. He's uh, very he's barely on social media. I hope I mean, he, he saw all that Aaron Rodgers shit I was posting because I was doing that to hurt him. <laughs> wow, you are vindictive. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a middle child. <laughs> oh, the passive aggressive revenge. Yes, that is very yes. middle child of you. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry that that's the reason why. And actually, I've been um I haven't been like reaching out to try and get into an episode or to kind of talk in a while because the recent developments of everything that's been going on has been been a bit much for me. And I needed to just kind of step away from the endless news cycle and the constant worry and everything where I'm like, you know what? I got a year where I can just kind of take a break and let the Democrats do their horse shit and just keep up with current events. But I don't 
I don't need to actually get super stressed about it because there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about it. And let's just see what happens. And Mansion and Cinema pretty much made sure that nothing would fucking happen. So what am I going to do? Just constantly bitch about Mansion and Cinema? I mean, nah, that's fine. And you had plenty of people on that did already. So we're good. Well, that does bring me back to, I will tell you, if you really want to know why, it really was, and I couldn't say anything because I don't want to jinx it because I still have that weird superstition that came from being raised Catholic. (laughs) You seemed generally a lot in a better disposition and less gloomy and less angry. Not that you weren't angry or any of those other things at all, but you seemed in too good a mood for me to ask you to come on the show. (laughs) yeah you you need a very specific i mean you gotta you gotta be angry about it like everything that's happening when you're really paying attention you're actually just even just following news and i'm not talking fox news here obviously i'm talking about like a Reuters or an npr or something that actually is not biased i'm not even talking msnbc because that's also pushing it the 24-hour news cycles they're they're ridiculous you know stick with the Stick with the Associated Press stuff, right? That's usually your most reliable. Tends to be. There's yeah, not that and... communist PBS. <laughs> okay, PBS, I'll give you NewsHour and, and, and that, that kind of stuff that's on PBS, too. But, like, that, you got everybody that's listening to this and the sound of my voice, we're all in the same echo left chamber, left chamber, so they know what I'm talking about. But, like, I, I just, I've been just following that stuff in the news, and while I've been severely disappointed and had plenty of moments where I'm like, I fucking knew it when I called it with the artifice on Biden's side, but like they're finally sort of pushing some stuff through and yes, stuff is sort of being gridlocked and nothing is really changing, but there's really not a lot to do right now, but just look around and just wait and just be vigilant, right? Like it's, it's kind of a holding pattern, or at least it was for the last six months. And, you know, I had some other stuff that I was working on. I was trying to be less fucking miserable in my life. And, you know, getting deep into politics is not a way to be less miserable, I will assure you. Yeah. I mean, if uh, if everybody goes the Bud Dwyer way, it's, nothing's going to get done. <laughs> oh, how I wish so many politicians would go the Bud Dwyer way. <laughs> That's one of the things. I guess we should. Okay. You've been listening to this for at least a couple minutes. This is another fucking episode of the Psycho Semantic Podcast. I am Darren, as always. And with me uh, once again, first guest, always welcome back guest, unless he's in too good of a mood because I don't want to ruin <laughs> his day guest, Court Psyops of Cinema Psyops and many other projects lately. Um, <laughs> pretty much um america's podcasting guest like if, if you, yeah. you if you if you need somebody like i'll try to make time for you as best i can and i'm real intuitive i i play off people really really well i know where they're going and i usually don't interrupt them even on skype so yeah as long as i don't have to edit i'm good <laughs> i'll be on your show <laughs> not having to edit is so great i gotta watch myself from volunteering to go on shows Although we were talking about how it's been a while since I asked you on. How long has it been since I've been on? You haven't really had any guests, but. No, that's been kind of intentional because uh, Matt's schedule has been super erratic on the nights that we normally record. And it's not as reliable as it used to be. 
So, I mean, I kind of reserve guests now for whenever Matt can't record. And it's just been for simplicity's sake. And then also there's a bunch of equipment I need to fix. And it just added a layer of stress and anxiety that I, you know, I, I couldn't quite deal with. But I'm getting into healthier and happier places. And I'm going to start working on equipment, you know. So we'll see. I, I do want to do guesting again. But uh, any kind of bonus episodes or any kind of like fill-in stuff is where I do guests now. Well, I don't know if you know this, but to the uh, the Legion Patreon, uh, Mark and I and possibly other guests uh, are doing comic book related movies in the psychosemantic way. I oh, I listened to that and I really enjoyed uh, Mark's it's fiance, right? I'm not saying that wrong. The, no, that should be correct. Yeah, I believe so. And if not, I mean, they're real close because they've been together for a while and they're super happy. I can tell. Um, I really enjoyed having her come on and I forget her name right off the top of my head because I'm a, I'm a little Meg, sorry. Megan. What was it? Megan, Megan. Sorry. Yeah. OK. Sorry. I'm a little inebriated on legal Delta eight here in the in my hey. home state. <laughs> it's not as good, but it's like it's OK. It's like light beer. You know, it's like being drunk on light beer. <laughs> it takes hey, longer and it go. doesn't last as long. <laughs> what was Matthew Lillard say in uh, SLC? Not only do you have a drunk on your hands. Yeah, SLC Punk, man, that's that's classic. Um, yeah, so we're we're actually talking spies like us uh, this time around. Now that we've been babbling on and on about various guest spots that we've been missing doing, <laughs> <laughs> and also the the Patreon was great, and I loved hearing uh, Megan's side and discussion of what was going on in the Captain America movie. So I kind of like that dynamic that you guys have, and I was going to actually suggest to both you and Mark, like you know, Mark, get get Megan a fucking. Mic. You know, give her a mic too. <laughs> All three of you should be on at the same discussion. That was interesting stuff. I think he was just a couple feet away, but uh, he he was really excited to hear it. I think he actually signed up for the Legion Patreon so he could listen to it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, with the mental rental stuff that I, I've been doing uh, with Ricky is like the the bonus on top of everything else that I do. That's been. Um, slowly being re-released because we're doing something special for Thanksgiving. And Ricky's trying to hype up the audience and kind of get them ready for it because he's trying to do something kind of big for a Thanksgiving release. Ooh, I'll have to check. Uh, I haven't been on the Patreon in a while. Yeah, and I, I do the pirate radio edits every week. I mean, that is definitely just because I love doing the show that way and I love throwing in all that extra music that's either befitting of or that I found that, you know actually goes along with the movie in some way, shape, or form, or is directly out of the movie if I can get the soundtrack and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, the bots be scrubbing everywhere, and I couldn't do that when we're trying to get our stuff out as wide of an audience on the main feed. And so that's why I started doing the, the pirate radio edits. And once I put it on the Patreon, it's, you know, only the people that subscribe are getting in there, and bots can't really scrub that. So at least yet anyway. You know, so as long as everybody's cool about it, the you know, the people that are joining and anybody that hears about that it exists and just either ignores it and moves on like most people do or, you know, just lets it be. We'll, we'll continue to have fun with that, too. <laughs> as long as everybody's and cool, we're not doing this to cool. shill the Patreon. Yeah, we're not doing this to shill the Patreon. We haven't really talked like this in like six months. So we're good. <laughs> we're just yeah. trying to catch up on your show. <laughs> but we should be talking about spies like us, right? We should be or something related to spies like us, although these tangents brought us to spies like us which was probably if i'm going to be completely honest with myself 
within the first 10 movies I wrote down on a list of movies to do on this show. And what's funny is I actually, I don't know. I I don't know if you remember or not. Um, I had actually suggested this or distinguished gentleman, but I couldn't think of topics when we were going to do the crossover, the cinema psyops or the cinema psycho semantic cat, I think is what we called it. When we did that crossover, semantic cops, I'll have to look. I, I just resaved the artwork from that the other day. Oh, I love that. But like we decided on Distinguished Gentleman because it fit more with the time of what we wanted to discuss in like an election year or whatever it was that we did it in. Yep, and then also elections. I was having a hard Yeah, and I was having a hard time finding something to discuss with spies like us. And then when we brought it up again, it was the same thing where I'm like, well, uh, what are we gonna talk about? And then you just started like messaging stuff and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm dumb. I can't believe I didn't think of any of that. And I think that's where you discovered, oh, court must be happier now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it it was a little bit of that and a little bit of me being like, okay, wait, have I been trying to get people to do this movie? Not not like in a very active way, but, you know, have I thought about why this movie should be done on the show that I just came up with the answers? Or is it really that, yeah, Court's, Court's in a good place. I don't know if I want to fuck with him until we do the uh, the America versus Canada um, work, workers movements. Yeah, I'm really excited to actually talk that. That's going to be a great discussion. I can't wait to get to do that. And uh, I'm, I just, I don't know. Like, it's a topic that I'm definitely very passionate about because so much of our livelihoods here in the states is tied to whether or not you are gainfully employed, and the ability to remain gainfully employed uh, is really being stripped away from us, as our most of us are being automated out of jobs. Many of us are being extorted just to be able to hold insurance by keeping the job so our pay is kept low. Um, there's a lot of just basically wage theft that is happening in this country. And anytime we try to talk about it, it's automatically jumped to communism. And uh, in the Canadian world of workers, apparently it's vastly different. And uh, I would just like to really expose the horrors of socialism and communism that are happening in Canada versus the glory and wondrousness that is our capitalist state. And I can't wait to do that discussion. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I, I've, I've been <laughs> I've been bouncing back and forth between my my psych, my psychotic following of what's going on here and there. And like you said, taking a taking a break a little bit from the national shit because it's taking for fucking ever because uh, Joe Manchin's got to go hang out on his yacht and talk about how he's ready to tax the rich, and Kirsten Cinema's got to go officiate weddings and flip people off. Uh, one of the main things going on right now uh, is congressional redistricting. But where where did I get going from there? God damn it! Um, hey, it's a psycho semantic episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, lots of babbling. Uh, we're still on Spies Like Us and me being happier and then how you ended up deciding on what we were going to talk about that goes along with it. Yes. So, I mean, this is a comedy. This is a Cold War comedy. We could probably do lots of Cold War comedies. I mean, I'm a kid of the 80s and early 90s. There's Spies Like Us. There's Real Genius there's Top Secret. There's, uh, do you remember that movie, The Experts? Yes, that is the one where John Travolta tries to teach a town of Russians how to infiltrate the U.S. Basically, yes. 
get, <laughs> he, he and his buddy get kidnapped and they are told they're teaching a town of people in Kansas or some shit how to be cool because they're from New York. And then, yeah, it turns out that it's a fake Russian town and there's just uh, anyway. Yeah, OK. OK, so I'm good. I'm good on if you ever want to do the experts, I'm good on coming up with that one because I love that movie as a kid, even though I accept the fact that it's probably terrible. And then um, real genius. But top secret wasn't really my jam as a kid. Really? Yeah. Real. The reason I liked real genius, though, is because like when I was growing up, um, I really kind of identified with Mitch because, you know, I, I needed to be taken out of where I was growing up and taken to a school like Mitch was that I could have flourished in. <laughs> Always never forget to check your references. Uh, <laughs> Sir, may I first uh, uh, compliment you on your choice of footwear? They're both wearing the bunny slippers. <laughs> uh, probably one of my favorite Val Kilmer movies. Uh, yeah, so definitely down for both of those two for Cold War comedies, but to get back to the spies like us, um, I kind of really noticed, first of all, movie wise, uh, there is a ton of fucking cameos in this film. And this is the first time that I watched the film kind of as an adult with an eye for that sort of thing, like in review status. Um, I haven't seen this in like at least 12 years. And the last oh, time I watched it, yeah, I can't believe that I didn't realize that Sam Raimi was one of the guards in the fucking drive-in and that, like, Joel Cohen was the other guard at the drive-in. Like, I knew B.B. King, obviously, but, like, I had no idea that some of the doctors that were standing in the tent, one of them was Ray Harryhausen. Uh, yeah, one was that's... obviously Terry Gilliam. Like, there's so many fucking cameos. Like, I can't even... I'm trying to think of them off the top of my Delta 8 stoned head, and I fucking can't. There are quite a few. Uh, yeah, there's Terry Gilliam, of course, Bob Hope, who they're kind of spoofing his Road to Blank movies in this. Um, doctor? Glad I'm not yeah. sick. Doctor? 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 That's how I thought this episode was going to start, but we started <laughs> like we did. Yeah, we start like we normally do where we're just BSing and catching up and then you just include it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Unscripted. Um uh, let's see. Well, you know, Frank Oz, of course. Yeah. The voice of Miss Piggy and Yoda and one of the main, uh, Henson's puppeteers too. Yep. And Fozzie bear. Uh, yeah. Voice of Fozzie. Uh, are you saying if I can have this money, if you help me pass the test? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Dan Aykroyd's future wife is the other GLG 20 Donna Dixon. I don't know if they met on this set or if they were already together and that's how she got the part or, or what, but I know that, you know, they were I, together after this and they're still together. Yeah, I think they got married before this movie. I think they got married in 83 and this is an 85 movie, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, another one uh, or an actress, an early appearance, which may be her first screen appearance or certainly the earliest that I'm aware of. Vanessa Angel, right? Is that who yes. you're thinking of? Yep. It yeah, was I was like, holy movie. hell. Yeah, and I can't believe that I didn't realize that that's fucking Lisa from the Weird Science TV series a, and also the uh, love interest in um, Kingpin, right? Yes. <laughs> Who was also scamming her way with everybody. <laughs> right before Goldfinger plays the Superman song when they're running away after the flat tires and shit. Yeah, Vanessa Angel, I loved 
the Weird Science series, but probably because I was that age and Vanessa Angel is Vanessa Angel. And yeah, I mean, that, that's got to be where the seed was planted because I definitely saw her coming out in her... It was the, the Pansy Division song. Groovy yeah. underwear. Ooh, ooh. Groovy yeah. underwear. Yeah. Uh, I... I... I don't know if um, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, the seeds being planted because obviously Vanessa Angel is just a very beautiful woman. She has an extraordinary body. She was a model, obviously, and there's more to her than that because she is absolutely fucking hilarious in Kingpin. She was, I mean, besides the fact that she was gorgeous, she also acting wise carried that show for Weird Science oh, yeah. <laughs> when she was on it. <laughs> Right. She was incredible for all of that kind of stuff. And obviously, yes, this is an early appearance. So, um, I mean, like having a crush on the character that she's playing in this film in Spies Like Us is based solely upon her looks because she doesn't even talk, you know, but then getting a crush on her or having it develop more in weird science. That's because like just she's all around awesome besides the fact that she's so incredibly beautiful. You know what I mean? And like then absolutely 100% thinking she's really fucking funny and thinking she's awesome from Kingpin and then having a crush on her from that. That's like the next level. So like if we're doing this meme form, it's that level of like Vince McMahon's (laughs) (laughs) getting super excited. (laughs) And like, that's like the pinnacle is like Vanessa angel doing what she did best in Kingpin. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Beating the shit out of Woody Harrelson. And yeah. uh, Oh my God. In that face. Right, right. That's she's just she's really awesome. And I think she was really underutilized. So I hope this was just her first role. And they just, you know, maybe she was inexperienced or whatever. Uh, Donna Dixon, I think, for the most part, carries this film. Uh, She had some serious acting chops and she has to be the straight, quote unquote, man, straight man, you know, part of the routine. Like because you got Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd both trying to out silly each other, but in different ways, you know, and when Dan Aykroyd has to try and play it straight to what Chevy Chase is doing because Chevy Chase is supposed to be like this lecherous. Well, he's Chevy Chase. He's just being Chevy Chase. He's not even fucking acting. That's just how Chevy Chase acts apparently. And, you know, and so Dan Aykroyd's trying to play his character very seriously and very straightforward and trying to do that, but still hit those comedy moments. And because the two had worked together before, I mean, all the stuff that they do together, it does hit. But did you, did you feel the tension between the two of them? Like, how like they, they both clearly don't want to be working with each other in this film when you're watching it this time around. Cause I sure fucking did. Yeah. I, I could have sworn there was at least one or two scenes where Dan Aykroyd's body double was in it. Like when the, when Chevy chase is making weird sounds at the camel, I was pretty sure that was Dan Aykroyd's body double. Stand yeah. Up. It just, it feels like you can just kind of feel like an animosity emanating between the two of them. And it works for the movie because they're being forced to be partners because they cheated together because the one just kind of peer pressured them into it, you know? So like, I like that kind of stuff works. Um, <laughs> the plot line of this you think is outrageous and you think is ridiculous, but only because you knew by the time this movie came out that the, Star Wars program that Reagan was talking about was an old man babbling because he's senile and he's like a puppet regime. <laughs> oh, General Sline would have to disagree. <laughs> Especially Dan Aykroyd. I feel like Dan Aykroyd has a lot more bones to pick 
with the U.S. government than Chevy Chase does. Well, look how his character, I mean, I don't know who wrote the script, but, you know, Aykroyd is an excellent script writer. He wrote some of the better comedies that he was in, you know. Um, right. I just Aykroyd's character and the way that he's introduced where he is this guy who conned his way into supervisor pay by just knowing how to fill out the right forms knows basically how to manipulate the system and the paperwork. And he's like the best fucking code breaker and he can build anything. And he's just like this all around like gadget guy. And he just basically has been training himself after all these years in the basement because he's bored because he's the best at what he does. So he kind of like trains himself to be a spy and recognizes things and learns all this intel and all that kind of stuff. And he's just being used and abused so that a guy that has twice as much pay as him can make himself look good. Like he says it at the end, he's like, I'm tired of doing your job or something like that. Like keeping me trapped down here, doing your job Keep me here in the basement. And that's so much an indictment of the way that our government works. You have like the pretty boy and it's usually a boy. Let's face it, because that's how our fucking misogynistic government works. That is the face or the front that talks to the people and gives them this quote unquote Intel and is there to be, you know, the aid of the president or whatever, but they always have their trolls that they keep in the dungeon. You know, they always have their teams. Like all these, all these aides are usually like, team members but they also have people that they run and these various operations and all these white house assistants and shit like that and you just know that that's what happened to dan Aykroyd, right like he's just this guy who was really really good somebody recognized that paid him exactly enough to make him not bitch too much to be locked in that fucking basement and it wasn't until he got aspirations for something else that they really kind of did anything about it. And the guy tried to sabotage him and all that ended up doing is having him push it out the door. Right. Look at the great, like I quit uh phenomenon that's happening right now. Once the pandemic reset, everybody's perspective on lives and, and how things should work. And I mean, that's exactly what's happening is a supervisor took things too far, tried to sabotage these folks and they said, fuck you and wouldn't come back. Because they realize there's more to life than this shitty job at this shitty place where I'm stuck in the basement doing your job. And that really resonated with me this time around. That take this job and shove it moment was awesome. Dan Aykroyd is definitely my favorite of the spies like us. Oh, well, of of the two of them, Dan Aykroyd is definitely the more squeaky clean of the guys. Um, because Chevy Chase... The more I hear about him, the less I even like him. And apparently he's just been a monster for the entirety of his career and the way that he treats people. Yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, none of the people from his old days still talk to him at all. Yeah, I don't I don't think even a lot of them showed up to his uh, was that the Comedy Central roasts. Yeah, the celebrity roast, because none of them showed up. Not a single one of anybody from the old days that was still around. And. You know, I hate learning things about comedians that I used to love as a kid because, like, I, I just found out about all the horror stories, go, like, circling around Bill Murray. And I thought that he was just, like, this amazing human being. And now I'm finding out that it's the exact opposite, that he's oh, just man. like everybody else. Yeah. Like, he's been difficult on set and he's treated people like shit. And, you know, he's got really bad days and, you know, he can be temperamental and all that kind of stuff, too. So, you know, and just some abusive stories that some people have kind of talked about as well. So, you know, it's just, 
you don't want to learn this about the people that you thought were so awesome when you were a kid. You know what I mean? You don't want to meet your heroes, like they say, right? Yeah, something along those lines. And like, yeah, it just the more you learn about your heroes, the more you realize they're just flawed, fucked up human beings just like you. Of of the two of them, I think there are more horror stories of Chevy Chase than with uh, Bill Murray. Other than the fact that, you know, somebody that's worked with him in just about every movie apparently has one. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, I, I digress a little bit here. Uh, I do also think that as far as Aykroyd's indictment of the U.S. government, I think uh, all of Chevy Chase's character is definitely an indictment even more so because he's a legacy fucking spoiled daddy got him the job getting started in government type of bureaucrat. And he doesn't even do his job. He's just watching fucking musicals on a TV in his cubicle. (laughs) And then he just comes strutting in this privileged fucking little shit that, you know, then forces a guy who actually did the studying and did the work, even though he had to cram and was, you know, fucking cheated out of it. He just forces him by like, basically just like goading him into helping him cheat. (laughs) And if I was Dan Aykroyd's character, I would have like, basically gotten up and walked to the teacher and been like just basically telling him what was happening with Chevy Chase and that I'd like to continue but I want him to be gone you know what I mean yeah he shouldn't have just fucking went along with it I realize for the plot that he needed to and that is some of the most ridiculous stupid shit and I do love when Dan Aykroyd just jumps up and does his sort of like Ray Spangler I'm just gonna fucking start explaining shit until something makes sense and we can get out of this situation I'm like dialogue vascular something technician yeah he's like we need out. to clear th- we need to clear the room we need people as far away from us as possible <laughs> so they could cheat together <laughs> but I think the reason he's supposed to be so woefully unprepared because of the supervisor is so that they would kind of cheat off of each other. But I have a feeling that that character already knew everything he needed to know. He seemed very well studied. And a Drogon's Dakota ring for kids. And <laughs> That's so amazing. He broke this, like, I, I can't remember all the stuff about the signal, but I do know that the encryption that they were talking about is pretty fucking solid and the fact that he broke it with a decoder ring in a cereal box for fun using the decoder ring in the cereal box and then ran it again through the system and got the same results <laughs> then the supervisor yells at him to clean up his desk like I, that, all of that shit was resonating with me because that is so the american worker experience yeah the the first half of the movie is very 80s comedy and then it does a little bit of that uh we're kind of making fun of spy movies where (laughs) where we talk about how all these Afghani freedom fighters are allies, but stings a bit, doesn't it? Just a bit, just a bit. And I, I, I'm trying to imagine this movie with John Belushi as Chevy Chase. Yeah. As the dirty lech diplomat guy that, uh, he could be like Senator Blutowski (laughs) or whatever from animal house. Oh, that would have been a perfect continuation of that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he decides he wants to go into foreign service <laughs> and he's so terrible he gets roped into being a glg20 <laughs> oh man the camp we gotta talk like okay it gets dr strange love when they get to the camp right when they're finally in training oh yeah yeah i i love how when they finally get chosen we know that they get chosen because they're going to be decoys because they're going to send an actual team of glg20 spies 
but then they're going to send these sacrificial lambs, which is the way our government actually does work. Um, there are generals that will concoct plans where they will have a sacrifice platoon to make sure that they can take a hill. They literally send a wave of men to die, you know, just so they can have the next two waves come in from the side and take the hill. <laughs> That's the way these quote unquote warriors think. And so the idea that they're going to send two spies to literally just go die and then send another set of people to actually complete the mission. So the other, the one set is just cover. That's very much an American political strategy <laughs> and also war move. Um, and I like the idea to where these guys are picked because they're already expendable and they do say that they're like, well, why would we waste good spies? And they're like, well, why don't we just take these two? Look at them. And so they do. And the guys think that it's a reward, but at what point in the stuff I'm about to describe, do you think they kind of realize they're actually being fucked over or do they not at all? You know, because there's a point when they do try to leave. Right. But okay. So they get loaded into a plane and they think they're just all uh, going for a ride. And they're like, no, they're not going to make us jump. No, they're not going to make us jump. They pretty much just get thrown out of the plane. And the sequence of them falling and trying to get the parachute right is hilarious. <laughs> they land and they're attacked by a group of fucking ninjas. They try to diplomat their way out of it and threaten with a f fucking branch from a pine tree. <laughs> then He's Bernie Casey. You. Let's get him. <laughs> then. Uh, <laughs> Bernie Casey shows up to rate them at the level of fighter of, I believe it's pussy. And then when they protest, this is where it gets really Dr. Strange love. When they protest and say, what were we supposed to do? Bernie Casey proceeds to manhandle and dismantle several ninjas with swords at once barehanded, only like once catching a sword between the two of his hands in a way that I think might not have sliced him but I think it was the gloves that maybe protected him, or maybe it's just movie magic. But all of that fighting is absolutely amazing, even though it's obviously not Bernie Casey. The guy doing it's like an inch or two shorter. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cut back, and we see Bernie Casey, and he's like, nah, that's what you would have done, or that's what I expect you to do. <laughs> and they're both just jaw dropped. And then the, it gets progressively worse. Like Every single test, I think, is literally just to see how much shit these guys will put up with just for the idea of a pay grade and being a spy, right? Yeah. Um, what's the next? Is the next one the heat after that? No, I think the next one is uh, how long can you hold your breath? Right, and they're firing a gun for motivation, right? To keep yeah. them underwater. So they're firing a gun into the water Heads and have them stay down. under the water. <laughs> then the next one's the heat where they have those fireproof suits and they're getting torched. You will not have to do anything. Your only mission is to survive. That's what he said. <laughs> they just fucking flamethrower the shit out of them. I just, I don't see how this is training for anything a spy is going to encounter other than they're just trying to see how much these guys will put up with before they quit or try to quit. <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, he is there at the end of the movie. So it's not like he's total bullshit. So I don't know if it's extreme spy testing or whatever or what. Well, it's so surrealistic and lampooning. I mean, what's the next one? The, centrip the centripetal force was the one after the heat, right? Yes. Okay. And I uh, want some coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah, sounds good. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, when is a spy ever going to have to deal with that much fucking G-force? Like, I guess they're just trying to see when they pass out. Like, I don't see how any of these tests are training for a spy or to make them any better. I always just assumed it was because they wanted to see how dumb these guys were and how much punishment they could take, you know, before they gave in. <laughs> I just thought that's what it was. Uh, they run through the obstacle course, uh, you know, they're getting shot at more and all of that kind of shit. And then they finally get to the point where they do ask to quit. And that's, is that after the G force they asked to quit? I forget which yeah. one they finally, yeah. So they asked to quit after the G force and the Colonel or whoever Bernie Casey's character just repl- responds with boys, you've come this far. It would be a shame to have to kill you now or something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I think that was it. Like, they were just like, okay, so the centripetal force was too much. Uh, it looks like they're about to graduate, right? Because that's when they do graduate. Like, after that, there's no more tests. <laughs> and they get their mission, and they're basically just these sacrificial lambs. And people, they're purposely ratting out their location and saying what's going on. And the thing that's great about this is that these guys bumble their way through and somehow always stay on mission and always get done the thing that they have to get done, even though it's in this increasingly series of poor decisions and laughable moments. And how about Chevy Chase selling out his buddy's head for Polo immediately upon landing in that (laughs) Afghani freedom fighter village, uh, freedom fighter, quote unquote, Russian spies fucking up by still wearing a Russian watch when, when they went to catch Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase. One of those guys was in Animal House. He was one of the fraternity bad dudes. I don't know. I'm trying to imagine with John Belushi, but every time I think of John Belushi in the movie, I think of him like running around and screaming. Holy shit. Yeah, but he did do more dynamic characters than that, that he was able to handle. I I think he would have, he would have probably made it a little more like the guy was a little more suave because Chevy Chase is always like real hammy with what he does. And especially when he gets to the point where he's like testing out whether or not he can feel his hand by just grabbing the lady's breast. And then he uses the hand that he can feel with to touch her breast and she just lets it go. I mean, like he's sexually assaulting her just wantonly right out in front of everybody. And you just kind of wonder if whether or not that was supposed to be an improvisation or in the script and like how cool everybody was with that actually happening because it's super uncomfortable to watch right now. Knowing what I know about the shit that he would pull behind the scenes, you know, things that he would try to get away with in front of like on 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 camera just seems like this would probably be just him being a prick and and a sexually assaulty one at that. John Belushi had to go and die. Uh, I was. (laughs) Well, I'm sure John uh, Belushi was no saint either. I just don't want to find out more about him. Yeah, right. He made neighbors which was that was probably the first time I ever heard of the doors was uh that movie. <laughs> well, if it weren't for uh Chevy Chase in um American Vacation, uh I probably would have never heard the Ramones as early as I did cuz I recognized it as a kid and I made my dad help me find the band. Nobody wants to do pet or uh not pet cemetery. I could probably get a lot of people to do pet cemetery. Rock and roll high school. I'll do it. I'll fuck. Yeah. Rock and roll high school. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much political stuff we can talk about other than like, you know, Oh no, there's plenty of school stuff. Yeah. In that. Dude, Never mind. School stuff. Darren's got to record some fucking episodes. So that's what's going to happen. 
<laughs> How inebriated are you right now, sir? Oh, not very. <laughs> okay, just checking. Anyway, back to Spies Like Us and Afghani Kush. Yeah. So we go from the, the Bob Hope to the Lawrence of Arabia chase scene to the usual 1980s America Cold War type movie with, are we going to launch the nukes? This was really interesting to me because the idea of them going and doing this mission to test out their fake Star Wars drive-in thing, which I guess in this movie was actually real. Um, the idea that they're going to launch a nuke into our own nation just for the sake of testing this anti-nuke device seems kind of excessive and dumb and exactly the kind of thing that our American government would come up with. By your actions, you're risking the uh, future of human race. In order to protect the way, the American way the of American life, I am willing to do that. That response was such a fucking American government official slash general thing to say. <laughs> the idea that human life without our way of life doesn't deserve to continue or to sacrifice the rest of humanity just to preserve the American way is worth that sacrifice. That is such a fucking um, like that American exceptionalism bullshit ideal that they have to peddle to get into office as pe as any kind of fucking political person. And then the kind of people who religiously believe it that stay that far up into the military. That is the most terrifying thing about this country to me specifically. Because we automatically assume America, fuck yeah, everything better. And we're not, you know, we're, <laughs> we are absolutely behind so many nations and so many things. And it's getting to the point where like some third world countries may be getting better with their health care than us. I mean, we have to, you have to pay for each individual fucking thing. Everything is like, everything here is a la carte and everything here is becoming more expensive and all the wages are dropping. And yet. We're supposed to believe that God blessed the USA. It sure doesn't feel like it while you're fucking living in it. And anyone who still gets gung ho about that and decides they're going to roll coal and fucking pay five, seven bucks, whatever for their fucking diesel fuel in their big fucking truck and just like drive it everywhere just because fuck the libs. I'm owning the libs, you know, and just making the climate that much worse and just adding to the problem not to mention that the biggest polluters are our fucking corporations who in fact can just buy a politician but we're not going to call it bribery it's lobbying everything that is wrong with this fucking nation and this film definitely brings that all to the forefront but it's doing it in such a way where it's like ha, it's not going to change it's always going to be terrible and it's never more apparent and when that general says that, and that's so infuriating, man. That's why we're doing this in the middle <laughs> of... <laughs> of this fucking no do nothing locked up because of two fucking people government. Like, you know that Sinma and Mansion placed. They were placed to maintain the status quo. Now, whether or not the rest of the Democrats are in that or not, I don't know. But it sure seems to me like... The Democratic Party is just there to make us hope for the future 
and delay us and just kind of keep us happy long enough until the real laws that they all actually want to pass anyway can be put on the books. I mean, all of them are subject to lobbying. All of them are bought. None of us really get to see or know what's going on, and they just keep making it harder for us to keep track of what they're doing, and people just keep going to sleep about it. And this kind of dark op that they're doing for this laser in Spies Like Us is exactly the kind of thing that they could have just not done and maybe focused in on feeding and housing your own nation. Maybe. <laughs> no, wait, that's communism. That's what we're fighting against. Never mind. The evils of communism. And here I thought we weren't going to have anything kind of political to bitch about. I just, you needed to wait long enough for me to get my hackle up. Yep, exactly. All right, so I do like when Dan Aykroyd does calculate out the uh, very end of all of humanity, if that missile were to hit, and how accurate he gets about it, where he's like, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. I'd say, depending upon where we're at, we're going to see the end of humanity in about 42 minutes. And Chevy Chase automatically hits on Donna Dixon's character and says, you fancy going out with a bang. And, of course, the line works because they have 42 minutes to live, which she says under the circumstances. Everybody pairs off, and then there's Vanessa Angel left all alone and feeling sad that none of the Russian men want her after the other ones have been claimed. Uh, and very progressive of the movie to not make it that much of a joke. It just seemed like those two guys liked each other, and the only joke was, see, the commies allow homosexuality. That's what it felt like to me. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if that's supposed to be disparaging or not, because, like, when those two gentlemen go off, nobody makes a deal about it. Nobody cares at all. And they don't they're not overplaying it. Like the looks those two guys give each other are generally like come hither stairs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was really impressed with that, uh, that the filmmakers did that in like 85 even, or as early, it may be earlier, maybe later, but like just in the time frame that this came out in the eighties for them to handle it, that delicately was kind of awesome. <laughs> and then of course, Vanessa angel pairs off with Dan Aykroyd because Dan Aykroyd's character, of course, Gets himself a gorgeous girl, as the hero is always supposed to do. And after their post-coitus, which I'm guessing is almost, what, seven minutes for most of them, if they're lucky? Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, they're laying there, all laying there, and Dan Aykroyd's talking uh, to Vanessa Angel's Russian character in English, but somehow she understands him. But anyway, he figures it out that they can resend the signal and they can do it backwards and they can kind of terminate it or whatever it is. And so he creates all of that. He gets it set up. Um, I just I want to call bullshit on a couple of things about the way that he does this as a techie guy. They're clearly not doing the techie thing right. But there's one other thing that I want to point out, too, that I think is Dan Aykroyd's character getting revenge on Fitzhume, uh, too. So first of all, when he has him go over and smash that Satscram. He should have had him tear it apart because the board that he needed could have been damaged by having him throw a rocket. And what if he hit it more than twice? What if he just hit it? You know, he just threw it once. But what if he hit it like two, three times? You know, then you would have lost that board and you would have completely lost the thing altogether. When you're delegating stuff like that, he should have had Donna Dixon's character go over and tear that thing apart because she's reliable and would probably know how. I'm calling bullshit on that one, but. It gives Chevy Chase's dumbass character something to do to drop a rock on the thing and then bring the rock like an idiot, like for his comedy routine, and then to actually bring the sat scram and to get the right fucking board out. 
Now, the other thing that I call bullshit on, Chevy Chase's character did not need to hold those two wires together to make the bridge. All he needed to do was twist the metal together and then the connections would hold. And then um, he just needed to hold the wires together further down so that they could form the connection. Now, the other thing, too, when you hold two wires together, as long as the path of least resistance is from ground to wherever that needs to go, um, he's not going to get shocked. Like, it's it's the signal from the satellite that's going to get sent out. He might feel the current running sort of because it runs around the outside, but it's going to pass to the metal. It's not really going to go through him like that, like where he's the ground or whatever it is that Ackroyd said. That's bullshit. I know it's it's a movie. I get it. it it's cool. I'm just, you know, I'm a nitpicker about that kind of thing. I have to say whenever something bugs me. But I think what they were trying to establish is Dan Ackroyd's character knows that he could have twisted those two wires together. He makes him stand there and be shocked to keep him occupied so that he doesn't fuck up what Ackroyd's trying to do and to also get a little revenge for all the shit that uh, Chevy Chase's character put him through. <laughs> Plus, if he's going to die anyway, he might as well make sure <laughs> that the guy that got him into this <laughs> is hurting while it's happening. <laughs> That's just what I'm thinking. Yep. And, uh, fuck, that was another Psychospantic podcast. And do you want to say anything else before we log <laughs> out? Um, don't let them take you to a second location. Duck and cover. What was the other one? Soul finger. That's where it should end. <laughs> that signal means to stop whatever you are doing and get to the nearest safe place fast. Always remember, a flash of an atomic bomb can come at any time, no matter where you may be. He did what we all must learn to do. You. And you. And you. And you. Yup. And cover. First I turn out this way, and the friend now shut. I guess that sometimes makes me take off the way we played it. And never thought I'd be one of one wearing a suit. Working 80 hours a week for some big corporation When I look back when I was young I think about the way I planned it So where things are differently Always thought I'd be known to call me Every day I go to work and I have my own mask I never let them see what's really going on